0: welcome to this week's edition of dugout dish podcast i'm andy kirakides joined by my wonderful co-host who's got the spectacles on today coach glasser
1: what's going on nothing i'm getting old i need these blue light glasses so my eyes don't hurt i think you're just getting more handsome (laughs) i appreciate it (laughs) classy
0: classy i like it i might have to wear mine next time just to counter just to counter
1: the the astuteness that you're rocking right now i think it i think it adds a level of of um sophistication here uh, about what we're talking about and you know maybe a little bit of you know collegialness is that a word you know like maybe maybe i'll throw on a sweater with some elbow guards or some elbow pads. Get you, you know, a pocket. Really, get you a pocket protector. Really look like I'm a I'm I'm a professor. Professorial. If you who's
0: think. that Who's that professor in college that you and Eric loved? I digress for a second. But who's that professor you and Eric loved in college?
1: <sighs> There's a lot of them. Um, Doctor Marshall. Um, Doctor White, who 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 has since passed away, who was probably one of the smartest men I've ever been around in my life. And I'll never forget. Eric loves this story, but we were in class and someone was like, how do you know all this? And he was like, I read the footnotes. (laughs) Classic. What, um, Now, his, the
0: guy was like a, he has like a famous name and he played, he played like, he was like a super high level lacrosse player. Oh, Dr. Opie. Dr. Opie. Dr. Opie.
2: was.
1: Yeah. What a phenomenal human being. Dr. Opie was, um, he was, uh, he was one of the history professors. I think he's at Babson now. Um, but he is, he was, uh, he played lacrosse at Syracuse. Um, he was an unbelievable athlete and just a phenomenal human being. Um, Dr. Frederick Opley, Dr. Frederick Opie, um, shout out to him. Um, but yeah, he was, he was an awesome dude. What an awesome professor he was, um, really into, um, Really into food too. He, he would start talking about stuff that like I had absolutely no idea. I still don't really know um, what some of the stuff he talked about in class was. He wrote a bunch of books on it too. Um, one of the smartest people I think I've ever met in my life, but a phenomenal human being as well. Um, yeah, Dr. Opie. Awesome guy. Rode a bike around campus that he like in 2004 he would like pack up into like a little suitcase and like carry around campus. It was awesome.
0: Oh, he's way ahead of his time.
1: Oh, way ahead of his time. I, I mean, I you saw that in 2005. You were like, whoa, what is that? That's out of the future. Now, you know, everyone, you're going to have a Razor scooter that you pack up and just slide around campus.
0: Love it. It's funny. You know, you're, you know you're a good professor when, you know, 15, 18, 20 years later, you got people talking about you on some random podcast. And it's not, it's not just you. Like, I know about this guy because in
1: college you were like, my professor is freaking Awesome. Awesome. Oh, wore a bow tie too. Big bow tie guy. Hard to pull off. Like I, I'm not a bow tie guy. It's it, the bow tie is something that I think is, it, 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 it's an acquired, it's an acquired look, but like you have to, like you got to commit to it and you got to be able to do it. But like he, he pulled it off. He was a handsome dude too.
0: Good for Dr. Opie. Shout out Dr. Opie. Big ups. Not only was it, was a, uh, world-class athlete i mean to play lacrosse at syracuse is no freaking joke for anybody who doesn't watch Mm -mm. or doesn't know anything about lacrosse like that's especially when he played like top of the freaking food chain oh yeah when it comes to lacrosse and then just to be a class act and one heck of a professor shout out to him
1: i'm gonna have to send this to him
0: yeah absolutely all right back on track so today it's that time of year Got to really start thinking about stuff. So we thought it was an appropriate time to kind of walk through some high-level recruiting plans by some of the different classes. So obviously the most relevant class at the moment, especially given the recruiting rules is the 2025 class. We're also going to take a few minutes to talk about the 2026 and 2027 class, really just kind of frame up some stuff to think about, things that you should be doing, things that you should be considering kind of where you should have your focus and things you can do to start to get your, uh, your things in order, if you will, you
2: know, you're get your things in
0: order. Um, make sure you're doing everything you can to, you know, stack the chips in your favor, if you will. So let's, uh, let's kick it off with the 2025 class. I mean, there's a lot here, but my first take would be it's December. Yes, everybody wants to get recruited. Yes, everybody wants to have that Twitter post. I get it. I understand it. But here's, here's the truth. Here's the truth that might, everybody in the mind might not want to hear. If you're not committed right now, it's probably because you need to get better in some way, shape, or form, right? Or you're on the fringe looking in from a school that you really like. like. There's a lot of really, really good baseball players out there right now. Guys who are going to play in the ACC, the SEC, there's a lot of really talented, uncommitted 2025s. So whatever your goals are, right, you're probably a little bit short of where you want to be. Or you just need to become a recruitable player. So my first piece of advice is you need to really look yourself in the mirror and you need to ask yourself, am I doing everything that I need to do from a development perspective? Am I in the weight room? Am I sleeping enough? Am I eating enough? Am I getting my swings in? Am I in the right portion of my throwing program? Are you checking the boxes from a physical perspective, from a pure baseball perspective, that you need to be checking in order to get to where you want to go? That's, for me, that's my first statement of the day. It's a hard fact to probably face for a lot of guys, but if you're not committed right now and you're not being really actively recruited to the point where you think an offer is pending, you just you need to put your head down and work and get a little bit better because the spring and the summer is where you're really going to do a lot of your showcasing.
2: Yeah, I think it's 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 critical across um, all levels right now of, of graduation,
1: 25, 26, 27 to be getting yourself in a position to be able to be recruited. Uh, going into the spring season for high school and then the summer for what you're going to be doing summer ball wise plus supplementing with camp showcases clinics like that um you know there are a a, 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 we're on the cusp of of having some events that are going to be run over the course of the next couple of weeks uh january february you know which depending on where you are in, in the country is is really dependent upon whether or not you you should be attending those types of events because we are in a quiet period from a division one standpoint. So, you know, there's not a lot of, no division one coaches can go attend any of those events, you know, and then you're going to have division two and three that are getting spun up from a season standpoint that, you know, their, their time is going to be better spent with their teams. They're not really going to be able to go to any of these events. And, and to be honest with you, the vast majority of them are going to be running the South where the weather's better and they can get out like, no one's really jumping on a plane from the Northeast or, or the the uh, New England region and headed down to Florida for a a, a two day showcase in January. Um, it, it, it's just not really in the cards for a lot of programs. So you want to be able to take this time to you know really get in the weight room and get with your pitching coach or your hitting guy and and your defensive guy and. And really start to hone your skills and, and get better from a, an overall baseball standpoint, so that you're ready to hit the ground running when your season's going to start. Because when you when you really start firing it up in March, April, and, and playing in April and May, um, you know some of these some schools in the Northeast start in March. You know you want to be able to be you know pretty close to at 100 so that you can really start to showcase where you're at as a 2025 when coaches do show up to actually watch you play. Um, you know, and I think the 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 spring semester and spring season for for high school games are are critical because you are going to have some some college coaches that are going to be able to get out on some Mondays and you know some afternoons to be able to watch a play. You know, you want to be able to kind of put your best foot forward and not behind the eight ball, um, having not been able to do a whole hell of a lot. You know, and, and you know I think it's important to note too that if you are you know, if you're a hoops player, you know, focused on playing hoops right now, but, you know, do try to get some baseball stuff in. You, It'll catch up pretty quickly. And it's, you know, that's going to be noticed and, and noted in the recruiting process as well. So, you know, but if, if you're not doing anything winter wise and you're, you're solely focused on getting ready for baseball, like you want to make sure that you're doing everything it is that you need to be doing in order to make yourself put your best foot forward to be recruitable come spring, come summer and then into next
2: fall.
0: Yeah, and if you're, and I think there's a couple different ways to look at this from an exposure perspective because you hit on something that there are camps going on, right? Huge to understand that no Division One school is leaving campus. They can't, not happening. So if you're paying to go to a private showcase or you know some off-campus showcase, just understand that there's no Division One coaches there, and honestly, most Division Two and most Division Three programs they're not super. they're not super invested in their 2025 class because the timing of it for them is going to be in the spring and the summer. So if you're going to showcase for those guys, that's fine. But just understand what you're getting into. Now, if you, if you've come to the realization that like, Hey, I'm probably going to be a division three player and you feel like you're in a good spot. Like that's a different conversation. But if you, if you're a guy who has aspirations to play division one baseball, just understand that if you pay for an event, that isn't an on-campus camp, there will be no Division One coaches there. If you're going to go to an event, and we've talked about this and we cannot harp on it enough, you need to have some feel with where you're going, and you need to have a little bit of an understanding of whether you're in the stratosphere for that school to be recruitable, and you need to hopefully have some inside information as to what they're actually recruiting. So if you're going to head to a camp, in December or January, because there's going to be a lot of them advertised. And, you know, uh, we're huge advocates of on-campus camps. Just understand where you fit in, right? Like if you're, if you're not a guy who's going to go pitch in the ACC, don't go to Virginia Tech's camp in December when you're not ready to throw, right? Or if you're not an ACC-type position player, don't waste your money to go in one of those camps right now. You got to really be able to take a look back and look at where these guys are recruiting, look at the types of players that they're recruiting and match yourself up with them. Now, if you're a guy who's in the conversation for some of these schools and you know, schools in the Northeast that kind of really good in majors, and they're holding a hitting camp or they're doing some sort of a prospect camp at the end of December or early January, and you've got some good intel that hey, they're looking for somebody in my position. And yeah, that's not totally out of the realm of possibility for me, or I'm somebody who's in the conversation and you got 125 bucks and you got time and you feel like you're ready to showcase, like have at it. Uh, The worst thing that can come out of that is you get feedback. They're like, all right, maybe I'm a little bit short for them right now. And you use that information to get better over the next three or four months. The best thing that can come out of it in most cases is those guys are going to want to come and see you in the spring. and That's probably the best case scenario out of most of these camps. Because most coaches, if they haven't seen you play a ton before, even if you do some awesome stuff at camp, most of those guys are going to have enough patience where they're going to say, you know what? I can go, you know, I'm at whatever school in, you know, Connecticut, and this kid's from Massachusetts. I really liked what I saw at camp. I'm going to try to spend a couple months to get to know this kid. And if I think this kid's the right type of kid, I'll just go see him in the spring. I'll make a point to go see him in the spring, get a chance to see some innings um, at bats, whatever it might be. That's generally the outcome from camps this type of year. So you just you you gotta be honest. And you can't have people blowing smoke up your ass about where you belong in college baseball. Because if you're smart about it and you're targeted, the worst case scenario is you get feedback that helps you. The best-case scenario is somebody goes, I need to see that guy more.
2: Yeah.
1: The, you hit the nail on the head. You know, the, the vast majority of, of what these camps are going to be used for, and I, again, we're, we're fans of them, but the vast majority of what they're used for are, for, are follows. They're, you can only show so much indoors. You know unless you're going to you know some of the camps and there's only a handful of them out there that you know you know and i i you know columbia i know is one harvard i think um you know i i don't know how many others are out there where they bubble a field where you can get a you know and i'm, I'm talking about like they put a giant inflatable bubble over the field
0: yeah harvard's uh, got a good setup for that
1: right so like you know it where you can actually put an infield out there and, and take ground balls and see live throws and, and do that type of stuff where you can get a little bit more of a field. Um, you know, the vast majority of camps are are, are going to be in the indoor facility in which the college program uses, which, you know, by and large aren't going to be big enough to be able to showcase a whole lot. You're not going to get a lot of gameplay. Um, you're not going to be able to see, you know, live abs, live ground balls, things like that, how kids get off the ball, <clears throat> those types of things. So, you know it, it, a lot of it is really just like okay how do they how do they look and do they look good enough to to kind of meet the expectation of what it is we're looking to recruit and then we're going to go see them play this spring and then this summer um you know so it's you're right they, you you want to make sure that you know these camps that you're going to are are targeted and that are schools that is that you feel as though or or someone that you trust has told you that you fit at that level you know, and I think it's important to to keep in mind in the, in the context of this conversation, we're talking about 2025s, you know, so you want to make sure that there's someone in your corner that says like, yeah, man, like you fit at Marist, you should go to that camp. And then let those coaches get a look at you and say like, hey, yeah, like we think that you might be a guy that we're going to recruit, we're going to get out and see a play this spring and this summer. And, you know, we'll kind of go from there. Or, you know, hey, you're you're a tad bit short for us. And you can use that feedback, like we always talk about, like, you know, what is it that you need to do to get better to, to kind of fit into that program? But, you know, I, I think it's important, especially in the winter months in the Northeast, in New England, you know, and in the Mid-Atlantic for the most part, like the vast majority of those camps are going to be used to be to to follow up with guys over the course of the, the, the spring and the summer. That's going to get your list, like, you know, a handful of coaches that we've talked to. I've talked about, like, you know, they're going to have a list of 15, 20 guys they need to go see. Like that list is being accumulated now and then they're going to go through the spring and the summer with those lists and say okay these are the guys that we need to go see and see how they look like in game and then pare down from there get down to what they need and then you know start back up because you're going to find more guys when you go see other guys so you know it's a, it's a continuous um it's a very fluid situation I guess I should say um you know so you're you're going to want to be able to just understand that that's what, what these camps are are going to be used for that. You're just going to, you know, be able to show up, show out, and then it, they're just going to tell you like, hey, we're going to file you this summer, and we're going to get out and see a play, you know, if we can in the spring. Um, but if not, we're definitely going to get out and see a play in the summer. So you know, send your schedule, and you know that's when you want to have your spring schedule and your summer schedule when they come out to be able to send out to coaches, um, you know, so that they can, you know, they know where you're going to be, and then you know, follow up from time to time with how you're doing. You know over the course of the spring like hey over you know last two weeks you know we've we're four and two and you know i'm hitting 500 or whatever it is um you know so that they just kind of have a a benchmark of what you're doing how well you're doing because you know we talked about this before like not every college coach can get out and see as many high school games during the season as they would like to right like monday's generally the day they can get out and see people play because it's going to be the off day at the division or at the college level for the most part um, you know, so those are days they'll be able to get out and see some, some programs can get out and see more depending on when they practice during the week. But, you know, it's not like guys are going five, six, seven hours away to watch guys pitch for the most part they they're generally going to stay pretty local and get all those games and see the guys that they need to see there and then branch out in the summer.
0: I think, I think you hit on something too about how guys travel in the spring. Like, yeah, are there programs that can fly somebody out and go watch one specific kid, yeah, but the vast majority of programs can't do that, right? And there's not a ton of flexibility during the season. Like at the end of the day, those coaches are trying to get their guys who are going to make an impact on the field today ready to go for the season. Yeah, if you practice at you know one thirty and you're off the field by four, everything's packed up, and somebody's you know playing at six o'clock a couple hours away. Like, yeah, you can get away on a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah, but you also got to remember that a lot of these guys got families and they got kids and, you know, it, it, yeah, they need to see guys, but it really just comes down to where you are priority wise. But what I'm trying to get at is proximity matters when you're selecting these camps, right? Like if you're a kid from Rochester, New York, and you fly down to Miami's camp or some school down in Florida and you go to their camp right now, they may like you, but they need to see you. They're not flying to Rochester to watch you in the spring. Zero chance. Right. So you spent money, and I can promise you that you're going to get left on the back burner there because the next time they're going to see you is the summer. But they're only going to see you if you're at a tournament that they're going to be at. Like they're not flying around the country unless you're like their top guy. Right. So when you're picking these camps, Proximity to your house is going to matter because if you're trying to set the tone for the spring, you want to make sure you're going to some camps that coaches may have a chance to come and see you during the spring. Um, you know, three, four, five hours isn't that big of a deal, but hopping on a flight to go watch a center fielder it, it's just not something that very many programs have the ability to do in any way, shape, or form. never mind the 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 financials, but just the time that it requires to get that done. Um so keep that in mind like if you're in the you know capital region or you're in Boston or you're in you know New York City area you know think 2 or 3 hours away and go to a camp where you can get some feedback or a school that you're interested in and if if it works out they're within striking distance to come and see you. Um but keep that stuff in mind too because I mean you start stacking you know round trip tickets for for you and one of your parents, hotel rooms, like you you can get into thousands of dollars where you the chances of a return on investment are really slim if you're not making a really educated decision on where you're going.
1: Yeah. And I, I think it's I think it's a little bit easier at the 2025, if you're a 2025 to be able to kind of make those informed decisions it gets a lot more difficult. And I I want to circle back on this when we get to it, but it gets more difficult at the 26 and 27 grad class level, right? Because you have, you know, with, with the new rule change, you're, you're not going to be able to be allowed to talk to coaches until August 1st going into your junior year. The only time is when you can go to their camp, you know, there's to your point, it, it, if you are trying to fly to all these camps, like if it, it, there becomes a point where, you know, the socioeconomically, not a lot of people are going to be able to afford to do that. You know, so you're you're going to want to you know target one or two. And <clears throat> we'll get into that in a little bit, but you know, you're right. Like the the vast majority of you know, and we say the vast majority, like we're talking about like the top one, you know, the top half percent of college baseball has the ability to actually fly around the country during the season to go watch guys that they need to watch, and the reality is like they're you're going to be if you're an arm like we're talking a mid 90s upper 90s arm that has some draft, you know, is probably going to be a draft guy that they're going to try to show love to to try to get you to campus. Um, you know, I, I it's not necessarily, you know, if you're 87, 88 and have the ability to get throw harder later, like they're going to wait a couple more months and and see you in the in the summer or when they have the ability to actually do it. Um, you know, and I think the the other thing that is When you start talking about what goes on during the season is you have a lot of you have to keep in mind, you know, obviously baseball is weather dependent, you know, so they might be planning on seeing you on Monday and their game gets pushed from Sunday to Monday because of weather like they're not they might not be able to get out to see you play you know, so that's just something else you want to keep in mind too, that it's, it might not necessarily be in the cards there and that's okay. Like they're not going to panic about it and they're going to do a really good job of relaying that message to you. But, you know, you have to also understand that too, that, you know, if they're on the road, let's say, and they're, they get banged on Sunday and Monday's a makeup day conference wise, like they're playing on Monday, it's going to happen, you know, and they might not be able to get back to campus to see you pitch. And, you know, so it's, or play for that matter. So it's, there's a lot of variables that happen in the spring that don't necessarily happen in the summer, um, you know, where where coaches are a lot more freed up to be able to see you in the summer because their their schedule, by and large, is
2: just wide open and, and geared towards being able to see you uh, and, and recruit you. Spot on.
0: Um, the other thing I think we got to hit on is specifically pitchers this time of year. And this definitely goes across the board for every pitcher, but you got to be really mindful of where you are in your throwing program, where you are in your throwing timeline before you go and try to get on a mound and throw for a college coach. And there's a couple layers to this. One is if it's the first time a coach is going to see you, and this goes for 26s and 27s too you need to put a good effort first because you only get one chance at a first impression, right? And yeah, do guys get better? They absolutely do. And coaches know that, but the first taste you have in your mouth with the kid, it, it always stays there to a certain extent. So if you're not ready to throw, right, if you haven't had a chance to get on the mound and throw a competitive bullpen, if you're not in the proper stage and you're throwing progression as you're leading into your high school season you're not going to put your best foot forward the other piece of it is i watched too many kids go try to throw a bullpen at some random showcase or random camp in january and they're not ready to throw and they go and throw and they go and blow it out for 17 pitches and it doesn't hurt them then but mid-April something goes wrong and is there a direct link to that I don't know I'm sure you'd have a bunch of people who could argue it a bunch of different ways but what I'm saying is you got to make sure that you put yourself in a chance to be healthy because at the end of the day the vast majority of the evaluation is going to happen during the high school season and it's going to happen during the summer season and you don't need to be go blowing it out in January just because somebody invited you to camp or there was some showcase event where you wanted to get your metrics up because that's not going to get you recruited. If you're not healthy in May, in June, in July, in August, nobody cares that you hit 87 thrown as hard as you can in a 15-pitch bullpen when nobody was trying to hit you. Like that's, I don't know how much more straightforward I can be about it. Everybody throws on different timelines. There's different, you know, high school seasons start at different times. You get different weather. Like Florida starts at a completely different time. You could probably justify throwing a bullpen in January down there because I I think they start in like mid February. Like if you're a kid from New York, New Jersey, I mean even even where I am in Virginia, they don't really get their high school season started full bore until like late March, early April. You need to be healthy for that season, not to throw some bullpen in January 15th. So don't feel pressured to go to anything if you're not ready to go because your development, you completing your whole throwing program, right? If you shut down, you need to build up properly, right? I know shutting down is different nowadays, even from the last couple of years where a lot of guys believe that you don't really want to shut down for an extended period of time. But if you're one of those guys who did, you need to come back from that shutdown slow and steady you need to get that arm moving you need to have a slow progression to your more full throwing right if you got a velo phase you want to compete that velo phase if you've got a movement phase in a in a bullpen phase like you want to be well into that progression before you put yourself in a situation where you're showcasing for anybody else it's just as valuable from a pitching perspective for you to throw a bullpen and have somebody have main and video You don't – and just go through your normal progression and be able to send that to a coach. Because with pitching, most guys can make a pretty decent assessment of you if you send them video of your bullpen and you've got a track man printout. They can go, okay, that stuff plays. Now I need to go see this kid play. Right? Like there's so much technology on the pitching side now that I think kids traveling to go throw bullpens at some random event so they can put a whatever velocity on their profile – almost every pitching facility has TrackMan or raps at all. Get a video, get your TrackMan data. That's better than a showcase event, in my opinion, but you can do it in confines of where you're going to be doing it healthy. You're going to be doing it on your own timeline. So I feel like it'd be remiss if I didn't say that. And I, I, if you can't tell listeners, uh, I feel very strongly about this because Kids get hurt every year because they're pressured into thinking that they need to go throw in front of somebody when the best thing they can do is just focus on getting ready for their high school season.
1: The – couldn't agree more. You know, I I stopped going to events in January and February for that exact reason. I I, I was – I watched a kid – blow it out in January and then was not even available to pitch for his high school team. Um, and he was from our area. That's, that's kind of how I, I knew and was able to follow along. And I, you know, started to kind of think like, what, what are we doing here? Um, you know, and, and it's twofold, right? Because again, you go to some of these events and no division ones can be there, you know? So if you have aspirations to pitch a division one level, and, you know, maybe you have that skill set, you know, there's no real reason to go try to blow it out in January when you're not really pitching meaningful games until April, right? You know, it's the same thing that happens at the college level. You know, when, when we come back at the college level, you know, there, there's a certain expectation of where guys need to be based off your throwing program, leaving the winter um, and fall semester through the winter, however long your break is, and then coming back. Um, and and what you're going to be doing and how you build guys up, depending whether they're starters, relievers, whatever it is, and how they build up, how you're going to throw live. Like the whole goal is to build those guys up into the first weekend of the year, because you're not throwing meaningful innings until that point in time. You know, like when I was coaching, you don't, we're not having guys blow it out week one of practice. You're not built up to do it. So like, there's no reason to, you know, and the flip side to it is I think that at the younger age, it's harder to maintain that high level, you know, from January through September, October. You know, that's that's 10 straight months of throwing, trying to be at 100 percent. And, you know, how many times have you heard when you coach and I can't tell you how many times I heard it like, yeah, you know, I saw him in January at a showcase and he was 86 to 88 and now he's 79 to 82. You know, and, and you, you know, you start to wonder, like, is it because we're ramped up doing all this stuff super early and we can't sustain it? You know, and I, I think there's a lot of that, you know, I, I would argue that there's probably a lot of data out there that says, like, yeah, that's that's probably why, you know, and and when you're not necessarily throwing meaningful innings and, you know, there, there's no real reason to, you know, a spend the money and b put yourself at risk that early in the year. Because what ends up happening, especially if you're at 25, like now you know it becomes, you blew it out there. You can't necessarily pitch a whole lot because your arm's tired, it hurts, it's sore, whatever. So you get shut down and now all of a sudden it's August and a lot of the events for the summer are done and you haven't been able to pitch and no one's been able to see you play. And it's like, well, what do I do? And you, know, it, it, you can kind of trace it back to, well, maybe we shouldn't have been ramped up trying to throw in, in January or February, we should have taken that time to progress to get ready to throw in March and April when it meant something where coaches can come watch you play. And then you build up into July, you know, June, July, August, where everyone can get out and watch you play. And you can put your best foot forward. You know, so I I think that there's, you know, a lot more. And again, geographically, geographically, it goes back to where you are, right? Like, I agree, if you're in Florida and those places where we're playing a lot earlier, Texas, like, sure, it probably makes a little bit more sense and it's a little bit more safe to do. But if you're not doing anything meaningful, and what I mean meaningful, like if you're not playing actual live games until April, there's no reason to go blow it out in some showcase. Like, there's just not. Like, you're you're better served making yourself available for your high school season so that you can actually go be seen by coaches because – You know the flip side to it as well is going to be if you're hurt during the summer season like not that it's going to cause red flags but there's going to be questions in the recruiting process of the durability of you you know and and that's not necessarily something that you're going to want to have attached when you're going through this process you want to be able to say like you know i've never necessarily like hey maybe you've had to shut down because you got tired but you know or you know there are high school teams out there that throw uh, an exorbitant amount of innings, but you know from a, you don't want that kind of stigma attached to you because you got into the you know June July August and couldn't be seen to play, and you know it, it, we can trace it back to something that uh, we, that was completely avoidable um, in the in, in the short term. So you know I, I think it's it's being able to have an honest uh, uh, assessment of where you are. And have somebody that you know you trust kind of be like, "Hey, is this something that I should do?" Um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think that it's the greatest idea in the world, depending on where you are, um, you know. But I, I think that it's it's something that's going to continue to happen, and it's something that, I, from an education standpoint, I think it's worth asking yourself and you know, as a family, you know, really sitting down and deciphering whether or not this is something that is worth going to, because that money that you can save by not going to that showcase, you can go to another showcase in the summer where there's going to be a, a plethora of college coaches at where you can put your best foot forward to be really good at and use your money there versus doing it in January when, you know, we're talking
2: about a handful of division twos and threes, depending on, on the event. Yep. I'll take it even one step further
0: because you were talking about it from a college perspective, but, you know, Division I college pitchers, they're not ready to throw 100 pitches on the opening weekend of the season, right? And what I'm trying to drive at is it's not about peaking in April. You need to peak and be healthy throughout the whole season. Like, you're no good if you, if you make one star in April and then you can't throw for another month. And you can't get back on the mound. Like, you need to think about the long run. And, like, so much of the recruiting process is about playing the long game. But for a pitcher, from a health perspective, like, you got to play the long game here. And you got to put yourself in a situation where where are you going to get the most bang for your buck? And I can promise you that you're going to get the most bang for your buck in the summer. And you need to be healthy going into the summer, which means that you need to go through the process of getting yourself ready for the high school season. Like so much of this gets lost on kids and lost on parents and lost on coaches too. Like coaches are just as guilty as anybody else. But the kids need to be ready to go and compete for high school first and foremost. Like, and we'll talk about this with the 26s and 27s, but like you want to get recruited, go play well. Like go be a good player, go win games, go have a good high school season. Uh, you don't get recruited because you took a good batting practice in January. Like you just, you don't. It's not how it works. No matter what anybody wants to tell you, it's not real. You you get recruited because you go and you play well in games. So if you have your eyes set on getting yourself ready to have a really good high school season, you'll you'll immediately remove the fog that blinds you. For some of these events that just don't make any sense, like you have to play the long game. if you're and you hit it perfect, if you're not healthy to play in June and July, there's plenty of other kids are, and it it's hard to make up the ground. Now, can you still get recruited? Absolutely, but you're not putting yourself in the best situation possible. Injuries happen. I get it. But you want to make sure you're doing everything you can to not be injured, which means, Take your time. Make sure you're in shape. Don't push the envelope. Make sure that you're ramping up even in your high school season. Like, high school coaches, if you're listening to this and you throw a kid for 100 pitches on the first outing of the season, like, you're part of the problem. Period. i going to put all the high school coaches on blast right now. If you throw a kid at the opening weekend for 100 pitches, you are the problem. So if you're a parent, if you're a player, like – understand that the goal isn't to be good your first start in April. Your goal is to continue to develop. Your goal is to make sure that you put yourself in an advantageous position to be recruited in the long term because the vast majority of 2025s, your recruiting is going to happen in June, July, and August. And if you're not ready to go during that period of time, you're going to fall behind the eight ball. Nailed it. 26. High school
2: coaches, don't be
0: dicks and throw your kids for 100 pitches. It's freaking irresponsible. <laughs> and then have the nerve to tweet about stuff later, like, get out of here with that crap. Take care of your kids. First game of your high school season isn't worth anything. Make sure your kids are healthy. Yeah, I mean, it's – I didn't mean to swear. It's okay. I kind of did, but – I mean, I definitely did mean to swear, but –
1: but there there's truth to it like there's i can't tell you many times i i had to do it and i'm sure you ask any college coach in the country you, you've had to protect your kids from themselves like there, there's a lot of kids that that had played for me that you know were injured or or needed to be shut down whether it's positionally or or pitching wise you know and i think the one You know, the, the one that I most recently was, was Ryan Yerby who ended up pitching for Erica's last year, you know, he had some, some weird forearm type issue his last two years with me. And, you know, his first year he tried to pitch through it and it was noticeable what was going on and that, you know, we had to shut him down. And, um, you know, the second that I was, you know, he tried to pitch through without saying anything. I was like, man, I need to know because like, we're, we're going to end up with, with bigger issues, you know, and it was always super early in the year. You know, and the, the, the message was always like, I don't necessarily need you available the first two weekends, right? Like, I, I need you available for conference play and a playoff run. And if that means we have to not play, not pitch the first two weekends of the year to make sure that you're healthy, like, that's what we're going to do. Like, there's a reason that you carry 14, 15, 16 arms at the college level. So if something like that was to happen, you know, you can mitigate that risk a little bit. You know, does it hurt a little bit when your best arm goes down? Yeah, it does. But like in the long run, two starts uh, over the course of, you know, 11 weeks is not a huge deal to miss to make sure that you're going to be healthy because you're right. The goal is is the long run. The goal is not to be really good week one. The goal is to be really good in week 10, 11, 12, 13, when you're making a playoff push and get into a conference tournament in a regional, that's when I need you healthy. And if that means that we have to sacrifice one or two games on the front end i'm fine with that you know and you you have to be able to protect your players from themselves and you know have the wherewithal to know that like you have to be able to to be responsible with them like they are they're they're kids and they want to they want to compete and they want to win which is awesome but at the same time you have to keep the big picture in mind like you you want these kids to be able to have phenomenal careers with whatever it is they do I also like when you finish playing, like I want you to be able to hopefully play catch with your, your kid in 10, 15 years, however long that is, you know, it's not worth, you know, a a couple extra innings over the course of the year. And I I think the flip side to it too, is that, you know, the front part of the year, like you're right, you're not set up to throw a hundred pitches, you know, so we're talking about you going out and throwing three, four, five innings, depending on how well you go through that lineup the first one or two times, you know, we're talking about seven, eight, ten innings. Like in the grand scheme of things, it's not that big of a deal because we can simulate that in practice if need be, right? Like w- w- if you're healthy enough, we can simulate that on a Monday and, and throw you for two innings and, and get you your mound the mound work that you need, you know. But I think you you have to protect your kids, and and that's where you know this conversation starts with you know what you should be doing and and not doing, especially early in the year
2: protect your kids protect yourself kids parents 26s 26s and 7s be a little bit
1: shorter than 25s yeah absolutely
0: um as far as having a plan like for 25s make sure you're capturing video you go five and I six made sixes. Where
1: are you at? 25. This will
0: be kind of for everybody, but uh, one other thing I want to add for the the twenty five specifically is that you're gonna be you're gonna to need to start reaching out to coaches. You need to start to develop a well informed list. Now I'll caveat that with the list should change eventually, right? You should be a better player in April than you are right now. So hopefully there's some schools that get added to that list. There's some schools that get subtracted, but you need to start thinking about the type of school you wanna go to, the academics, where do you fit baseball-wise, which we'll circle back to honest evaluation, like you need some people in your corner who aren't gonna tell you what you want to hear, but are gonna tell you the information that you need to have. So absolutely, that needs to be a part of the planning. Should you be emailing coaches? Yes. Should you be following guys on Twitter? Yes. Should you be getting your transcripts so you have those ready to go when it's time to send those? Yes. Should you get your high school schedule? Yes. Should you get all that stuff? Absolutely. The other thing that I think gets missed a lot of times, which is interesting in a a day where we have these really good cameras in our pockets all the time, is get video of your workouts. If you're going to go take batting practice, set up the video. If you're going to go throw a bullpen, make sure you capture that bullpen on video because if you start to collect a little bit of a library of your progress, now you have some information that you can send to coaches going into the spring season that isn't video from August. All right. If you're a pitcher and you start getting into your bullpen sessions and you're not videoing your bullpens and you're not getting metrics from those bullpens, you're doing yourself a disservice. Whoever you're throwing with or who wherever you are, bare minimum, you should get video of your bullpen, right? It'll help you in the recruiting process. But the other thing it does too is it gives you something to evaluate yourself on. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes too. Is that it's really important to video the good days and the bad days because the more the more video you have that you can reference, the more the less likely it'll be that you'll repeat the bad days because you'll know what the good days feel like and you'll be able to self adjust. Um, and we could go down the we could go down a rabbit hole about being able to self adjust and how important that is in college and being able to make adjustments on the fly, specifically for pitchers, but. You've got your phone. I guarantee you, you're there with a buddy. Grab video, have it. You can always delete it if it's not good video. But if you're working out, capture it because you're going to want some stuff to send to coaches a blank email with no context of what you do, how you move, any kind of information that's going to allow them some insight into who you are and what you do and how you can perform athletically it It's just an email that doesn't really matter much. And in today's day and age, if you don't attach video, coaches just aren't gonna care. Um, so make sure that you're capturing that information. make sure that you're capturing that video and save it. Um, Does't need to be fancy. doesn't mean need to be set up on a tripod. It doesn't need to be all edited up. but you know if you're taking around a round of BP,
2: capture those 10 swings. So it's it's pretty simple. I concur, Doctor. Twenty sixes. Twenty sixes. It is. Um, little
0: repetitive, but the biggest thing you can do is focus on getting better right now. That's it, in the moment right now, as it stands. If you're twenty twenty six and you're concerned about getting recruited, you're probably worried about the wrong thing. You need to concern be concerned with being the best player you can be in your spring season. I have mean, talked to guys who are talking about being division one scholarship guys, but they haven't even played varsity baseball yet. And it's like, well, let's let's check that box first. And you have three months, you know, in some cases, yeah, I guess about three and a half months now for for most of the high school baseball world use these three and a half months wisely. And for most guys, step one is like, make your varsity team. Like go be a really good varsity player first. Uh, the reality of the new recruiting rules is that coaches just aren't overly concerned with 2026 is like, yeah, do they want to see good twenty twenty sixes? Yeah, absolutely. So they can keep tabs on them, you know, maybe talk to some coaches about them, see how they're doing in their high school season, yada, yada. But at the end of the day, it's not a huge time suck for these guys anymore. They're not, they're not focused on the young kids the way that they used to be. And I think it's a good thing for guys because you can just focus on, like, let's be the, let's figure out how to be the best player I can be for my high school team. And I think that's box number one that has to be checked if you're 2026.
2: 20, All right. Two things. I'm going to say them. the first one is I, I agree
1: in part that you should try to make your varsity baseball team. I do not believe that you need to make your varsity baseball team as a 2026 right now to secure a Division one scholarship eventually. Um, there are uh, guys that I, I know that have played at, at certain programs <coughs> that played JV as sophomores and were Division I scholarship guys. Um, one I know off the top of my head, and I, I was coaching at this program at the time, was Kevin Smith um who plays in the big leagues right now he he was on JV as a sophomore um I fought it tooth and nail but the 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 reality was um you know he was better served and we brought him up to varsity eventually um but he was better served getting more at bats and and game play at that at at his age every day versus you know playing you know every other day or or whatever because we did have a kid who, who ended up playing college baseball playing shortstop who was a senior who was really good um, you know, so I, I think it, it, depending on the, the position you are and the, 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 pro, the, the type of high school program you're at, you know, it doesn't necessarily preclude you from being able to secure a, a scholarship eventually. Um, if you were to start out playing JV as a sophomore, um, you know, do I think some of those, you know, could be outliers? Sure. Um, you know, but at the same time, I, I, I don't think that, you know, playing JV baseball as a sophomore you know, is going to leave you on the outside, looking in, playing college baseball at any level, let alone the division one level. Um, You know, and again, you know, let's say you're a catcher somewhere and, you know, the, the varsity team has a a catcher who's committed to go play division one baseball. Like you might be better served as a sophomore playing every day and catching every day on the JV team versus not catching at all on the varsity team. You know, and I I think that that's a hard pill for some people to swallow because it's like, well, I want to play varsity and I want to do this. Well, you know if the coach is doing the right thing and, and trying to get you as many at-bats and, and innings played as possible you're going to be better served going into the summer when the vast majority of people are going to be out to watch you recruit or watch you play and recruit you you know in instead of being having 10 at-bats and then trying to go play baseball at a highly competitive level you have 50 at-bats and you're you're in a far better spot to be able to do that so um you know i i do agree that you do want to strive to make the varsity team at, at any point in time but you know, just because you're you know not on the varsity team, it, it doesn't necessarily mean that your, your dream of playing college baseball is over. Um, you know, and I, I, the second part I, I think goes for the 26s and 7s is that this year, this summer, I think is really going to be the litmus test for what the recruiting looks like for the Division 1 schools that are out there. Right. Last year, this or this year, I should say, because it happened in April of twenty three, the rule change happened. And, you know, I, I think there's still a, a lot of uh, misinformation slash misunderstanding of this rule. You know, it, it really shook up the recruiting landscape of, of what was actually going to happen since they're not going to be able to talk to you and develop a relationship you with you, bring you to campus, have you on visits, give you offers. A lot of coaches have kind of said, like, you know, that it it kind of threw this year's recruiting into a a whirlwind where this year, everyone's going to have a lot more time to sit down and say, okay, where is our time best spent from a recruiting standpoint? Obviously, a lot more 26s, 25s and 26s are going to be seen a lot more this summer than 27s and 28s, where in the past, you know, they spent a lot more time on the younger kids at the higher levels. So I think this year is the litmus test where it's going to, like, we're going to really be able to kind of figure out and see where a lot of time is going to be spent from a recruiting standpoint, because you're right, it has slowed down. Like, there's only so much that, you know, there's only so far out that programs can go. There's only so much they can do. They're not necessarily concerned with trying to commit a bunch of guys and and making an arms race. They're really trying to hone in on guys that they think are going to fit their program, fit their mold, and then be able to somehow figure out Developing that relationship and figuring that outcome August, September, October of their junior year and get guys on campus and figure out whether or not they're going to be a fit into their program. You know, so I think, you know, uh, unfortunately, you know, we don't have the answer Um, and I I think it's kind of a a wait and see approach, which is kind of the worst thing to, you know, to, to kind of sit through um because it's that you know the the old hurry up and wait when you just have to pull the tarp and then get the field ready and then there's still lightning in the area you're not going to play and you know hurry up and wait model of when you're in college of we don't really know what's going to happen and we're going to figure that out as we go here over the course of the next five six seven months um you know but for twenty sixes it's a lot more of of honing in on your development right now you know because you can't talk to anybody you know you can talk to some division two you can't really talk division twos so that's june 15th um you can talk to some threes but you know they're finishing up their 24 class right now and then they're going to switch over to 25s you know they're not necessarily really honing in on 26s right now so you know, it's really getting better from a a development standpoint. It's really getting in the weight room and getting bigger, faster, stronger, and doing everything it is within your power to make sure that you're going to be able to be competitive from a high school standpoint, and then be able to put your best foot forward from a summer ball standpoint, and then making sure that you have a targeted list of things that you want to do to supplement what you're going to be doing summer ball wise.
0: Yeah. You bring up a great point about the varsity piece and I'm glad you, I'm glad you preface that because you're absolutely right. Like there's plenty of kids who are twenty sixes that won't play varsity baseball this year that are gonna be division one players, right? It's and yeah, that's a fact. So um as far as the supplemental plan, I think you want to make sure that you're doing stuff that's gonna help move your recruiting process along. So does it hurt to send emails no? Does it hurt to follow guys on Twitter? Absolutely not. You can absolutely do that stuff. But I think this circles back to something that we think is really, really important is you got to have somebody in your corner who can evaluate you and point you in the right direction. Because what'll happen with a lot of 26s this summer is they're going to run around to a bunch of camps that they probably don't have any business going to. And you need to be smart about it and you need to understand where you sit in the landscape for college baseball. And if you are, you'll be get you'll get a lot more bang for your buck. Your time will be spent a lot. in in a lot more uh effective way and for some guys the fact of the matter is if you're a 2026 and you're not a surefire division one guy for that august september october which is okay if you're not because there's a plenty of 25s right now they're going to be division one scholarship guys that didn't get any calls on august 1st but it takes and this is to the parents too like You got to check your ego at the door and you might need to realize like, Hey, the best thing I can do this summer is just play as many games as I can. I don't need to go to so-and-so's prospect camp for two days and miss my team's tournament. Like maybe the best thing for you to do is just play, just go and play, get innings under your belt, get at bats, go enjoy your summer, go be a kid, go, go try to win. Um, I think that a lot of kids this summer, that'll be the best use of your time and not chasing something, and just focus on being getting better at playing baseball. And I think that if they take that approach, the long-term impact I think will be a lot more beneficial for most kids. If you're one of those guys who's you know, the top 1% or 2% of all high school kids uh, and you're going to go pitch in the ACC or play in the SEC or the Big 12 or something, you'll know. It's not hard to find them. Um, So just be honest about where you're at and, and think about what's best for you. Not whatever, not what the parent in the stands is telling you about, well, we're going to this PBR event or we're going to this team showcase. Like if you're right-handed and you throw 78 to 80 miles an hour, you don't need to go to anybody's college camp this summer. Just, just go get better and go try to get people out and go compete and get in the weight room a little bit early. Like, Find ways to continue to develop because your race is not done running. But you know, go into, you know, some big school's camp when when you just don't cut the mustard for them at the moment, you know, you're that's valuable time that you can use to improve yourself in other ways.
1: Yeah, I think the the other thing too that I, I want to touch on with 26s and sevens, and <clears throat> I think it's a decent transition to to talk about 27s right now is that you know, you're, you're at least 18 months away from being spoken to from college coaches. So your, your time frame is even, even longer, um, you know, to make sure that you're, you're developing, you're getting bigger, faster, stronger, all those things. The thing that I, I, I want to mention, because I've heard it from families that we've spoken to recently, and every single one of them has said to me, like, 26s and 27 families, I, I should say, is every single one of them is like, I feel like we're so far behind the eight ball. And I, I, I one, you're not. You, you, nobody is behind the eight ball. You're a 25, you're not behind the eight ball. But 26 and 27s, especially, you're not. The two pieces that I think, one, the two pieces I wanna talk about, one, being able to educate yourself on what it is. The division one calendar and recruiting schedule and the rules look like what division two looks like three juco nai those things understanding what all of those recruiting rules the calendar all of that stuff kind of looks like will help mitigate a little bit of that um stress and anxiety but the other is I, i think because they're so close you know and because this rule change happened this year like you watched over the course of the last 10 years a plethora of kids At super young ages, get recruited and commit, and now all of a sudden it just grinds to an absolute halt. And I I think there's that feeling of seeing what other people did, you know, nine months ago, ten months ago, eleven months ago, a year, and saying like, "Well, they did this then. Like, why are we not now? Like, we're so far behind because we're not getting these offers and we're not talking to these coaches." Well, the rule change has made it that you can't. You know, so it's important to understand that this rule change has had a lot of effect on, on everything, but it's also caused families to have this stress and anxiety of like, we're so far behind the eight ball. We don't know what we're doing. We haven't talked to anybody. Like it's okay. You can't, nobody can talk to you. You know, so you're not behind, you know, and I think, you know, first and foremost is understanding what that rule change did in April. You know, and it, it ground, it went from a, a speeding bullet train to literally, it, it just ground to a halt and it's not leaving the train station anytime soon. You know, and you have a lot of people who have seen everything that's going on over the last couple years who kind of feel like, why why, why is this not us? Why is it like, what's going on? Why are we not being recruited? Why is no one talking to me? And uh, again, it it boils down to th- this rule change and, and it's slowing everything down and it's a good thing, you know, but you have to understand that you are not behind the eight ball. There's no reason to panic. It's actually a great thing, you know, and if you wanna channel your inner Jocko, you know, good. It, it, it's more time to, to go develop. It's more time to get better at baseball. It's more time to go play baseball games and not have the pressure of, you know, I need to go be the absolute best every single time I tow the rubber. Every, every at bat I need to take has to be the best at bat because everyone's watching and making a decision on me. You have time to develop as a kid, as a player, you know, you get to mature uh, physically, emotionally, mentally, everything. You know, so you're not behind the eight ball. You're perfectly fine. You're in the right spot. You need to be, you know, and, and understand that, you know, it's it slowed down for a positive in many ways, you know, so it, it's understanding where you are from a grad school or a grad year standpoint, what you need to do there and develop yourself into the the player that is going to be recruitable, you know, over the course of the next 10 months, over the course of the next 18 months, over the course of the next three years, whatever it is, whatever your grad year is and where you're at. Because with this rule changes, it ain't changing anytime soon. Like, you ain't going to be talked to. So it's okay. You're not behind the eight ball. Educate yourself. Get the things and knowledge that you need to do to understand how to navigate this process and put your best foot forward so that when it comes time to be recruited, you know, especially after your sophomore year going into your junior year, that you're putting your best foot forward to be able to be recruited.
0: Hell yeah, brother. little Jocko reference there. Love it. Uh, no. The education portion of it is massive. Like if you're a twenty six or twenty seven player or 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 family, start learning about the process. Start doing research. start figuring out where your kid may or may not be headed. Um, information is power with this. and and the more you have, and the better understanding of you have of what this process looks like, it's huge, right? And we talk about it all the time, and it, it's really important. Like, if you're a family of a 26 or 27 and you don't really know where you fit, go watch a college baseball game. Like, make a weekend out of it. Or just go somewhere on a Sunday and go watch. Go check it out. And you'll, you'll have an idea of kind of where things sit. But the education piece is huge. And I think we were remiss to specifically with the 27 class. Like, you just finished up your first semester of your freshman year. You have your whole high school academic career in front of you, and you need to make sure you lock that down. Because the last thing you want to do is have doors close on you because you didn't do good your freshman year, and you know you 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 only get one chance at it, right? Like you don't get a you don't get a remix, like you don't get a chance to uh, to go back and redo your freshman year. And for a lot of guys, doors close for them academically because of how they did their freshman year, and it's hard to make up. It's hard to become a 3-5 student, excuse me, if you're a 2-5 student your freshman year. It's hard to close out in a way that's going to put you on a path. So make sure you're checking that box. And if you're somebody who has aspirations of the high academic world, you absolutely 100% need to have it on lockdown. Uh, and it needs to be something that is crucial for you. And settling into a rhythm from an academic perspective and making sure that you're you're laying the foundation for you to be able to take the AP courses or the honors courses that you're going to need to take next year so that you become an admissible athlete, not just a recruitable athlete. Um, And I think that oftentimes it's easy to just focus on the
2: baseball portion, but I, I think that that's a huge piece of the puzzle too. Yes. What else you got for these young bucks, the 26s and 27s? That's it you're not
1: behind the eight ball. There's no reason to panic, educate yourself and develop yourself into, into a good player over the course of the next year to, to 18 months to, uh, to eventually be recruited. Um, you know, and, and I think it's important to understand the timelines at, at all levels, right? Like, you know, even if you're a 27, like we're, we're talking another three years to where you might be, if you're a D3 guy where you're getting recruited. So, you know, there's no reason to hammer the panic button. You know, it's, it, it's really just, developing a plan over the course of the next two, three years that, that, that look like every around this time of year where, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to target, you know, these two showcases in the the summer of my going into my sophomore year to see where I'm at. And then junior year, it's going to be these, and then going into senior year, this is what it's going to look like. And then, you know, by then as if you have enough video and things that you have in your library and Rolodex to send out to coaches, they're going to be able to see that progression. Um, both from a skill set standpoint, from a, a body and maturity standpoint, a physicality standpoint, like they'll be able to track all that stuff and really be able to make a decision on whether or not they want to recruit you.
2: Yep. Yep. And one last thing we're not saying don't, at
0: least I'm not saying you did not say this, but I don't want it to come off as I'm saying, don't go and showcase yourself. Cause that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just be smart about when you do it and where you do it. And, you know, the it can get really expensive if you start going around and trying to showcase yourself in front of everybody. So the the idea for me is make sure you're ready to do it and make sure you're doing it at a place where um, you're going to walk away where the coaches are going to at least be somewhat interested or at least have good feedback for you. You know, you don't want to walk onto a campus and a coach have no interest in – in evaluating you because you're just way too short for that particular program. So it takes a little bit of information. It takes a little bit of knowledge of the process. You should absolutely, absolutely go showcase yourself, but just make sure you're, you're, make sure it's well thought out. Make sure that it's, it's done in a way where you have the information needed to make a good decision on it.
2: Yeah, it's targeted and there's an intent behind it. Love it. Coach Brian Murphy, former man that I used to work for. We only had one rule, and it was don't panic.
0: And I think that that applies to everything in recruiting. Like nothing ever good comes out of panicking. Um, and if you're 26 or 27, I can't,
2: I can't emphasize what Coach Glass said enough. Like, don't panic. You got time. You got plenty of time. Good more good baseball go watch the jocko video
0: good google it youtube it you want to get motivated when you feel bad for yourself go watch that all right anything else coach no that's it all right well thanks for joining everybody talk to you next week thank you for listening this week if you're watching on youtube go ahead and hit that subscribe button and smash that like button for us Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at EMDBaseball. If you want to find out what me and Keith do to help families and players navigate the recruiting process, go ahead and check us out on EMDBaseball.com. Take a few minutes to check out our new online academy. I promise you'll get some good information out of that. Thanks again for listening. Check in with you next week.